Stuttgart. Und Karl-Heinz Riele 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. Welcome to another episode of the German Football Podcast and we've got a bit of a, a first today because this is the, the very first episode we're recording without our founding member Roy Campbell. Um, so good news if you good news if you're a GFP fan that just tolerates Roy from week to week. He's not here this week, but if you if you do like to tune in to hear his voice, unfortunately you're disappointed this week as he is on a date. Which apparently <laughs> takes pre- well, apparently takes precedence over the podcast, but uh, where the, the the good ones have turned up. Uh, I'm joined by George this week. Uh, how are you? How are you doing? I'm um, well, thanks. I, I wasn't going to mention um, that that Roy is, like, say, otherwise occupied. Um, strange, strangely enough, I'm actually in Roy's room right now because it was too loud to um, record in the living room because he lives next to quite a busy road. Um, so it does. I feel a bit like an imposter, really. I'm sitting outside Roy's desk, where he usually records the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, he's not here. I, but and you've you've let everyone know why that is. But um, apart from that, I'm I'm very well. Had a, had another fun weekend at, at the football. Um, the weather in Hamburg's been a lot better than it had been the previous week. So um, yeah, it's been a, a th- things are looking up and. Um, it's a uh, it's a good time to to live in Hamburg for, for some of the pod. Just just wait until you're braving a, a German winter and it's snowing. I don't know. Does it snow in Hamburg usually? Maybe because it. Um, I've, I, I'm not I, like I've been here two weeks. I'm not a Hamburg expert, but <laughs> I have braved the German winter um, before, and it, yeah, it's um, it um requires almost as tough a skin as it as it requires to brave a, a winter in Edinburgh. So. See, I'll, I'll be the one laughing because our west coast, western coast of Scotland winters aren't that bad. So I'll be laughing when it's here. It's six degrees and yeah, tropical. Get positively tropical in Scotland, and you're sitting sitting in some uh, Hamburg versus Jan Regensburg game in January, and it's about minus five. Yeah, so I'll be the one laughing then. But anyway, I think we. Alluded to uh, last week, we did a slightly different episode so we, as we covered some ground hopping experiences at Magdeburg and Altona. And we've, we've got something similar today as uh, George managed to get along to the Volkspark Stadium to see Hasfall play Nuremberg. It was a 2 2 draw. So uh, Roy, Roy was actually on working duty there, working for Hasfall, but George was there as a neutral spectator to see the draw. So we, I'm guessing, yeah, this is, that was your first visit to the stadium, wasn't it? Um, well, interesting enough, it, it wasn't because uh, I'd actually been to training um, the week, oh, course, as I mentioned on the last week, I went to training um, the week before the game. So it was actually quite an interesting sort of dynamic because obviously seeing the players train and prepare and build up to the match and then, um, you know, in front of about 15 fans watching them train on the pitch next to the stadium. And then to, uh, it was nearly 25,000, I think it was about 23,500 on Sunday afternoon on what was an absolute cracker of a day, um, weather-wise. Um, 
but yeah, no, the the whole experience was uh, probably better than I expected. Really, just you know, you get to the train station which serves the stadium, and like I said, the sun was shining, and everyone's everyone gets there really, really early, is having a having a beer and a and their breakfast or and or lunch or brunch. Um, and it's just a, it's just a good it's a good good atmosphere around the people are standing outside the the bar named Unabstieg Bar, which means unrelegatable um, or can't be relegated, um, which is which is you know they, they still like to kind of poke fun on the bar, be proud of themselves in a not so serious way about the fact that they believe they, they can't be relegated. But um, no, the, the the day in general was was really good. The the only negative I would I would add apart from the fact that the ultras weren't there, um, is that there is still um, a ban on alcohol in the stadium. So there was a few non-alcoholic beers being consumed, but that led quite comically to a sort of um, black market of schnapps and uh, spirits being being sold around <laughs> in and around the stadium, which, which was quite funny. Um, but no, a very, very positive experience. My first match day experience at, at the Fox Park Stadium. Yeah, because looking at looking at the game, so I saw the highlights of it, and the crowd, certain crowds, it looks almost normal. Like you'd see Magdeburg, you'd see other ones, but Hamburg probably have the distancing in place with the seats and stuff, even in the away end. So you can definitely definitely still see that it's restricted. I didn't realise. So is that just a? So it's only certain grounds depending on the local rules, whether they can serve alcohol or not. Like I take it, did Magdeburg, did you mm. manage to get beer there and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I think that's also different because, I'm, I'm, if, in all honesty, I'm not sure if it's a Bundesliga and Fighter Bundesliga thing, um, because I know other, other stadiums, have, there's been protests about the non, uh, non-alcoholic beer. But I think the in the state of Hamburg, they in the week building up to the match, they had allowed a relaxation of the rules um, pertaining mostly to what um, what requirements you need to enter the stadium, the dr- dropping the negative test and keeping only with a recovered or um, vaccinated status, which should, have, which should have meant that the stadium should have actually been more full than it was. And that likely would have led to the re- um, relaxation of the alcohol alcohol ban however i think the fact that they'd already advertised it um in the, what they call the free gay um rules meant that they kind of had to stay with what they had done originally so i think the in two weeks time when fortuna dusseldorf um come to hamburg should be the first one with full stadiums and hopefully not not a non-alcoholic beer no no non-alcoholic beer in sight for among the punters yeah, been been to games slightly more strict. Like you get derby games and stuff that they don't sell alcoholic beer and stuff. It's slightly different, but um. So what what was that you said that the ultras weren't there? What was the atmosphere like? I know Nuremberg was at about a few hundred that they had. Yeah, yeah. So the atmosphere, um, I would probably say was more comparable to like a good atmosphere at. A British game, insofar as there was, there were, it was more sort of like smaller pockets of chance um, uh, cropping up throughout the game that were kind of more responsive to things that were happening, like them getting like half foul getting corners and things. 
which is n not, I mean, like we've said before, the atmosphere is usually quite independent of the game in Germany, but with, with the absence of the, with the absence of the ultras, sort of other, other fans were trying to sort of step up to create a bit of an atmosphere. So it certain it certainly wasn't it certainly could could have been better, but it was it was something quite funny about there was a sense of sort of everyone was kind of looking around waiting for someone else to to start start a new chant and things, which it was just a completely abnormal situation for them because they've always got the the capo right at the front and there's always like a constant atmosphere. So it was definitely um it was it was a different experience, but um you know like when. Haasfeld did score and you know especially the last 10 minutes of the game which were really tense um the atmosphere was 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 really enjoyable actually that's good why was the game in general like how did both teams play yeah well there was a sense coming into the game that these were two teams that had sort of both on the up I mean at one point on the Saturday um Nuremberg were in second but Saturday's results pushed them down to fifth and I think Haasfeld started the game in seventh but yeah, it's definitely a feeling amongst the Haas foul fans, at least, that Nuremberg weren't aside to take lightly. Um, and that this was a, a clash of two sides who were in sort of upper echelon of Sweden Bundesliga sides. So, and to an extent, it played out that way. It was quite tense. Haas foul had more of the ball, but I think Nuremberg probably played with a bit more intent um, than, than Haas foul did. Um, I mean, Haasfeld started the game with uh, Vuskovic at centre half coming in for Sean Lau um, at the age of 19 and gave away quite a stupid penalty, um, partnering Joris David, who's only 21. So, a very young, young partnership um, in the centre of defence. And I think a kind of they were constantly trying to play out from the back, but I think it, it wasn't always being played at the right time. So, that by the time the ball got to the midfield, there was a real sort of lack of urgency and a lack of runners off the ball so I think you saw Haasfeld moving the ball from side to side a lot and struggling to penetrate a very well organised um, Nuremberg side who when they did get the ball especially on the counter looked um, looked very dangerous but I know we've sort of poked fun at him before but Bobby Glatzel with a double uh, of the brace he was um, he was very impressive often sort of dropping deep to get the ball which was um, which was kind of as a result of a lack of movement in midfield. Um, and let's, I mean, me and Roy, see our favourite player, Hasar, seems to be the young lad from Finland, um, Antti Suhonen, who when he came on about five, ten minutes to go and he started to dribble up, dribble up the Nuremberg defence, that was that kind of, he kind of was able to pick the lock a bit more. But, I mean, in general, it was quite an even game. The quality wasn't wasn't great at times I think and after Haasfeld got the second goal they were very content with the draw so it's always quite frustrating um, when your team is playing against a side is sort of playing for a draw but um, it, it, was a, it was yeah a game between two sides that have probably got the potential to by the end of the season be there or thereabouts when it comes to um, the promotion race but um, it's a game I think Haasfeld will probably think they could have won but they can't really. Comp I mean, yeah, Nuremberg did defend really well and stayed really compact the whole game, and and, and created a chance of their own. So, um, a, a probably quite quite even game on reflection, really. Yeah, like Nuremberg, Nuremberg are still unbeaten, so they've made a very good start, particularly considering the last couple of seasons where they've been 
very below par. Hamburg, I need to start winning on a more consistent basis. Uh, these sort of games, they're looking to win at home because I think they've only won one home game so far this season against Zandhausen because uh, Roy's still not seen them actually win. But uh, uh, yeah, if they want to, they want to properly challenge at the top. I think they need to start turning some of these games into wins. But um, sticking with Spider Bundesliga, so, uh, the game I managed to see during the weekend was uh, Schalke against Hansa Rostock. So Schalke were away from home and managed to win two 0 and I think it's becoming increasingly apparent how reliant they are on Taroda for goals. Uh, should probably, I mean, it's great for them that they've managed to secure the signing of him this season and he will always guarantee you 20 something goals a season in that level but slightly concerning if he gets injured yeah is that a question <laughs> yeah yeah like it's slightly concerning like more of a discuss- discussion point it's slightly concerning <laughs> if Toroza gets injured if Toroza say Toroza and Bilta get injured like where does that leave Schalke yeah, I mean, it's actually quite interesting because when I was um, walking around the Volkspark Stadion on Sunday, um, I just got chatting to some lads um, outside one of the bakeries, actually, and they uh, asked me what I thought, what my prediction for the game was. And I actually said 2-0 at the time. And their first reaction was like that one of, well, what they said was that without Toroda at Haasfowl, they're just they're not even that confident of them scoring two goals in one game and sort of the the fact that he's still left um sort of a mark on on Haasfau and all the all the clubs that he's been at is just so well known for how effective he is he's sort of such a he just guarantees goals in spite of Bundesliga um that yeah he's just he's just a real professional and I think that was that was the word that comes to mind when I watched the Rostock game that he just managed just to score goals in such a professional way and he just always managed to help his team over the line. I mean, Rostock, I thought, um, battled quite hard in this game in a very sort of partisan atmosphere um, right in the north. Um, so, yeah, it would be, be perhaps interesting to see if, um, if Toronto was to get injured, if, um, if Bulto could maybe um, play that central striker role by himself and there could be a slight reconfiguration of the of the formation but I think for now we've kind of just got to appreciate Toronto for what for what he is and I mean I, I would would imagine that he's going to help um, take Schalke back to the, the Bundesliga the first time of asking so yeah it's just got to just got to appreciate him while, while he's still um while he's still kicking really you would imagine so are you are you confident that Schalke will get promoted I'm not confident I think it's difficult to be confident with Schalke but I I, I feel like um, although they are still only an eight for the moment, I just I think I, the way that they saw this game, for example, like I said, I just thought it was such a kind of calm and professional um, result and performance that I think that that sort of calmness is something that can often be lacking in teams, especially towards the um, you know the latter stages of the Spider Bundesliga. And I think you know with the sort of cool, like cool head that the likes of him. Um, and Bolter have got that if they can carry on for the rest of the season, which I imagine they would be, would be able to. I mean, I, I don't have any doubts in Toronto. Like I said, it's just a matter of, of keeping him fit. That I, I would 
if I was to be if I was to to be a betting man, for example, I would I would probably bet on Schalke to go up. But as, do, do you, do, are you are you disagreeing with me here? I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean with Tarada, they've always got a chance. I think they're probably beside them out of the. When we talk about Svitaly, we tend to focus on the big three, Schalke, Werder Bremen and Hamburg, and I'd say they're the most confident, the one I'm most confident in for pushing for promotion, but I don't know, I, that's relying on nothing going wrong with Sorada getting injured, so if they do keep him fit, then there's every chance, but you also never know with Schalke, whether, from a coaching point of view, whether they keep Grimotis in, I'm not sure fans are totally convinced his position in charge, I would have thought he would have been one of the favourites to get sacked first, but obviously that's not come to pass. But I would, I'm, I think so many of the teams, I don't think there's one outstanding team. So if a team, a side is able to gather a run together, then there's every chance they could push for promotion. And it could be Schalke with Taroda scoring those goals. Yeah, that definitely. But yeah, like I, I definitely agree that there's not um, one outstanding team in this fight of Bundesliga. I mean, you do see that one team. I mean, we are only on yeah eight eight games played so far. You'd imagine that maybe by the the twentieth match day or something that the one team might, as they sometimes do, start to appear as um, you know the the front runner. But you also see. Um, a bit like last year, that it is, can go right to the wire between um, you know two or three teams for at least the last promotion spot. Um, so, and that, that I mean, one game we haven't spoken about is um, Dinamo Dresden against Werder Bremen, and uh, this week Dresden absolutely dismantled Bremen and made Bremen look a really really poor side, um, and were, were were clinical in their execution. So like, even a team like like, like Bremen or for example like Nuremberg. Could just if they just stay there or thereabouts most of the season and, and remain fairly consistent, then you sort of feel that going into the last 10 games of the season, they you never know who could make that last that last little run. I mean, similar sort of to, to Fort last year, that no one was really too sure if they were gonna be able to make it and, and push on, especially not to go up automatically. But that's sort of the that's sort of how that's what 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 the Spider Bundesliga League is like, really. I mean, it's just it's why the league is so competitive and enjoyable that the, there are, there's not the outstanding quality at the top of the league where any game is really nailed on. Um, even the bigger sides in the league are so chaotic and bad, well, badly run, pretty much that you, you wouldn't guarantee that they'd be near the near the top at the end. And then there's the sort of smaller sides that you see every year at the moment. Jan Regensburg and Paderborn seem to be going well. So we'll just see if every chance that they do manage to keep the consistency at the top of the league, manage to challenge along with these other big sides. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you mentioned there Dresden losing at... So Werder Bremen losing at Dresden. Uh, other results during the week. Uh, so some of the coaching changes that we mentioned last week paid off in terms of Zandhausen and Keogh, who both managed to get away wins at Hanover and Paderborn, respectively. Not so much for Erzgeberg at Aua. They lost to Jan Regensburg 3-2. And St Pauli continued their, they continued their 
good start to the season, winning three one at Karlsruhe. Ingolstadt's horrible start to the season continued when they lost at home to Dusseldorf. Long may it continue as well. And long, <laughs> long may it continue. But I think we'll move on to the Bundesliga after that. Which kicked off on Friday night with a three-one win for ten-man Bayern over strugglers Greuterfurt. So it was a three-one win, which is probably a closer scoreline than many would have predicted. But they were they were they were playing with Bayern were playing with ten men for nearly half the game, and you did always get the feeling that they could have moved up a gear even with the def- uh, demand deficit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listening to Stefan Leitl talk after the game. He was. He seemed, and, and rightly so, was very proud of the way that his team had had sort of stayed in the game. Especially, I think that going into the match, a lot of the talk was how um, Bayern had completely um, dismantled Bochum seven 0 the, the week before, and you know Bochum and and Fort obviously going to be compared for the way they've they've um, they've they're the two promoter sides, and also probably playing at similar levels. In fact, Bochum probably last week would have been suggested to be the, the, the slightly stronger side than Fort. So there was a, probably a worry going into this game that that um the, the same could have happened to Fort. But I thought they they sort of I wouldn't say they frustrated Bayern because I feel like Bayern always had the 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 game in their own hands and they it was it was very really, it was relatively um a relatively controlled performance, but I think, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the fact without being too patronising, the fact they managed to score right at the end, it's probably something to be quite proud of. And you know, the the Fort fans were were very impressive throughout. And you know, just to, you know, their first season back in the Bundesliga for what, nine ten years, and to 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 put on a, a very good sort of footballing show on on the Friday night was um would have no doubt been been good for them to see, but. I think this was a game where Joshua Kimmich sort of showed why he is undoubtedly probably going to be the future Bayern and, and Germany captain um, because he's just such a such a professional really and in yeah, the way the way he took his goal and the, he, he just he doesn't he's got that Bayern mentality that no matter who you're playing no matter what game it is no matter what the circumstances are you always play the same. I mean, we spoke about by not being able to get out of um, second gear, really. But I think uh, the one that that really was always performing at a high level was Joshua Kimmich. Um, and as much as it pains me to say, it, he's he is he is um, an outstanding player. Really, he just always keeps Bayern ticking along in those games where you know they are they do maybe show signs of of, of slacking a little bit. Um, and yeah, for that reason, like I said, he's going to be pivotal for. For both Bayern, um, have, having just recently signed a new contract um, for both Bayern and Germany in many many years to come, so yeah, I think that was real, um, real uh, good display for for Kimmich especially. Yeah, it was just a very professional job, Kimmich, the star man of the performance as well. And they they are just really the only the only side that you would trust in that situation, hundred percent that they're ready to goes up when they go down to 10 men, that they're still, there's no real fear of them chucking away the lead, whereas the other challengers like like Dortmund and Leipzig may have been put into a more vulnerable position. But I, I did think Foot played well. They are showing signs of improvement. They showed, there were signs definitely when they played Hertha uh, previous week as well, which I thought 
<laughs> unlucky to lose that game. Now they managed to give a good account of themselves against Bayern, particularly when Bayern were coming off that 7-0 win. Um, and they managed to get a goal from open play, which I think is a big plus for them. But whereas while, while they've been impressive in certain spells of the games, you don't really see them threaten too much in front of goal, but they managed to get an, a goal from open play from Aiton, which will be a big positive for them. So I think all their goals beforehand in the league so far had come from penalties and own goals, I think. So that's big, big positive for them. <laughs> so um, Leipzig beat Hertha 6 now, which, I mean, Leipzig had already hammered Stuttgart 5-1 and followed that with defeat in the league. And they've done the same in terms of losing to Bruges last night in the Champions League. So it's a case, it feels like, again, like a case of one step forward, two steps back for them, um, which particularly the, the, the Champions League result is very disappointing. The group they've got, this is the most winnable fixture that they had in the, the group, I thought, even for third, and they've lost it. So where where do they go from now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was actually saying to Roy earlier that Leipzig have, that the last two seasons endlessly confused me. I mean, I, I did think at the time, I, I didn't want to take too much from them beating Hato, who I just thought were absolutely pathetic on the day. I mean, um, a bit, I'll talk about that game afterwards, but in, in terms of um, the, the game against Bruges, I mean, I do wonder, I mean, there's absolutely no chance they're going to qualify from this group. Um, I think that that is is not the most profound statement in the world um, with Man City and PSG in their group as well. I mean, third place is always important in the Champions League, but I do wonder the extent to which their heads are really um, in that in in the, in the Champions League um, as so much they they've really want to focus on the league this year. I mean, having said that, they did start Schlobberslei and Andre Silva on the bench against Hertha, um, which is maybe a sign of, of, of the depth they do now have at their disposal. But um, like I said, I, I would question the, their motivation when it comes to the um, Champions League, given the fact they do have City and PSG in their group. But um, in terms of, but the, 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 yeah, there's, there's certainly positives to take from this the, this game against Hertha. I mean, it's a 6-0 win, of course, but all the focus and rightly so should should be on on Christopher and Kunku has sort of been you felt for a long time now that he's had the potential to get his a, a big breakthrough and a real sort of put a real stretch of um, form together but there's always been questions of inconsistency uh, I listened to an interview with Jesse Marsh who was saying that Kunku has absolutely no weaknesses in his game um, which is a, a statement I find hard to believe but you know the, the the point certainly is there that he is he is prog- progressing at um the rate that he really should have done the last couple of years now and i was thinking to myself really if this i mean firstly if you take Nkunku as a case study and also if you take the fact that like you said stuttgart um got five against got they got five against stuttgart and six in this game against Hertha. It's not always um, a characteristic that you saw um, under Nagelsmann of them scoring consistently, um, you know, in on a consistent basis, scoring um, quite a lot. And I wonder if that sort of in the, in the slightly poor development of Nkunku, for example, reflects badly on, on Nagelsmann in any way. Um, 
it's, it's not really a, it's not really a question I have the answer to, but it's certainly there's certainly been aspects of their game in a short short period of time that um you know although the defending has probably not been as good as it was under Nagelsmann, go, going forward they've been a bit more have potentially been a bit more ruthless than they were under Nagelsmann. Um, yeah, I think that was the key theme from last season that they that was the key component missing the going forward, scoring goals consistently with Werner leaving and really struggling to replace him. Uh, and even in their, with their replacement this year, Silva not hitting the ground running, they do, players like Nkunku seem to have stepped up. That That's one positive for them. I think in, in this case, it's just a case of Hertha being so bad two sides that they've been so convincingly so far have been really poor, I think, so far this season. And Stuttgart and Hertha. Hertha defensively, extremely suspect. Nicholas Stark gave away a penalty. I'm not I'm not sure how many penalties Nicholas Stark's given away in his career. Like, must be approaching double figures. I think he's one of the most error-prone centre-backs I've ever seen. But, I mean, it's coming from a person that's seen him in the flesh lob his own keeper. <laughs> actually in the flesh I've seen Nicholas Stark play three or four three times four times three times and in one game he scored an own goal lobbing his own keeper and the other he's given away a penalty so that probably says a lot um, so maybe that maybe that's uh, part of the aspect you should consider when looking at this Leipzig win the opposition that they're playing because they've just followed it up with another defeat. Anyway. Yeah, no, I I I I completely agree. I mean, I remember what was that two, three weeks ago when people were getting quite um worked up about Hertha's um performance against Bochum when they beat them. But I I've Hertha in the last yeah sort of two, three years at least have Really struggled to inspire me in any way, and I feel like, any, like for example, the, the winning that they did get against Bochum um, kind of felt like an anomaly at the time. And I think Bochum probably have the worst defense in the league, almost as comical as Hertha were in this game. And I look at the next three games for Hertha; they've got Freiburg, Frankfurt, and Gladbach. And I, I can't really see them picking up many points from those. And as um, Roy and I were watching this game um, on the conference on Saturday, Roy says, do you reckon there's a chance that Dardai could be sacked off this game? I was like, nah, no chance, not not against Hertha. But then, you know, and then the game turned out to be 6-0. And you think Freiburg, Frankfurt and Gladbach in the next three games, if he's not picking up, if he's not picking up, so maybe three or four points from those three, then I can't really see him staying in his job that much longer. And, I think that means we all would have lost our bet on who would be the first manager to be dismissed. But I would say he was my second choice. But I think Dada is in, um, in real trouble there, actually. I'm sure I saw quotes during the week from Freddie Bobic, Bobic saying that he's pretty much it was his job as long as he wanted it, though, because he's such a club legend that indicated that he wouldn't sack him, which I don't... <laughs> Don't really yeah. understand coming out and saying that after a six 0 loss. I know he's a club legend. I, th- I think, although saying that, it might not even come to them needing to sack him because I I think Dardai is pretty reluctantly in this role anyway. I think he said yeah. before that 
he'd quite happily step out of the role and move back to his position coaching the youth team. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. It's not like he's it's not like he, he would leave this job and look for another head coaching position at another club. I think he's happy just serving the club that he loves in Hertha. Whether that be in the youth team, that's fine. He's just he'd be happy to step aside if he thought that was the most appropriate thing and the best thing for the club. I just see them. I don't see how don't see any improvement from the last couple of years. I just see it being the exact same season that they're gonna have. I don't think they'll get relegated, but they'll be in amongst the just from the superior squad that they have compared to other teams now near the bottom, they'll probably be fine. I mean, they, they can show, despite not really playing that well, they can show that they've beaten both, they can beat Bochum and Fuat. But that's really the bare minimum for the amount of money that's been invested. The squad that they have, that's the bare minimum that you'd expect. And that's probably going to be enough to keep them up in the end. They're supposed to be aspiring to something bigger. And there's, it just seems to be getting further and further away, that dream of consistent European football. And Frankfurt and Köln, uh, that was the same afternoon. Uh, Drew won each. It's really continued. Both the sides starts. Frankfurt with their below-par open few games. Far too many draws. But a positive from them was uh, Bore getting his first goal in the score sheet. Uh, and Köln continuing their strong start as well getting a, a draw away from home in Frankfurt. Uh, another game, um, Leverkusen beat Mainz 1-0. I think the highlight of that game was uh, Wurz's goal, becoming the youngest player to score 10 Bundesliga goals. And something for Celtic fans probably to worry about, considering their defensive issues so far this season. So that, that game's tomorrow night. Do you see... I mean, uh, we are talking about this before we recorded how it looks quite an obvious Leverkusen win, but maybe there's a bit of a, a lack of trust for German teams in Europe when you see Leipzig losing at home to, to Bruges. They do tend to disappoint often. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at last year in the Europa League with um, Leverkusen and Frankfurt both sort of getting knocked out to uh, inferior opposition um, in, in, the, in the earliest knockout stages of, of, of the Europa League. So, and there's always kind of been a feeling that German teams do underperform um, in, in European competitions. But, I mean, as far as Leverkusen are concerned, I mean, they've, they've quietly moved up into second in the Bundesliga, um, capitalising on Wolfsburg's first defeat of the season. Um, and they've been a real surprise package for me, really. And I think that, like I said, the, the person most responsible for that is... It's kind of been Florian Wirtz. He's got four goals and three assists now, I think it is. Um, and he's really become the, the the key player in that team. And we sort of like to... Some of the stats that get thrown around in football kind of uh, make little sense. I mean, I remember when uh, Jane Sancho had become like the youngest player to get some odd number of goals in the Bundesliga. Um if it was like seven, was it like seventeen or something? Um, but you know, the, the ten goals in the Bundesliga over the age of eighteen days and one hundred forty-five days is potentially more um, impactful than might first meet the eye because it's obviously breaking the record of Podolski. And as someone who very controversially moved from Cologne to to Leverkusen, it's sort of um, a bit of a kick of the teeth for for FT. But I mean, in terms of the yeah tomorrow's game, uh, this answer is 
almost cer certainly ready to, to be um, proved incorrect because most people listen to this after the result of this game. But I think Leverkusen should be able to give um, Celtic a real good game. I mean, Roy was saying to me earlier that the, the feeling in Scotland seemed to be that Leverkusen was some mystery team, some something comparable to the likes of Sheriff from uh, like the absolute middle of nowhere that no one had ever heard of, and that the Wirtz was this um, player that's only just emerged um, in the last sort of couple of days, um, who, who was such an unknown package that, that no one in Glasgow would know who he was. But, um, you know, I think that, I think Leverkusen will go, will go into this game expect, expecting a win, really. But, I mean, it is only the group stage. I'm not entirely sure they do need a win, especially away from home. But um, I think, yeah, they, they should go into it feeling, feeling quite confident, especially, I mean, they are sec they sit second in the Bundesliga right now. So they've got every reason to, to be confident as well. <clears throat> yeah, I think they've got no, nothing to fear from Celtic so far. I mean, Celtic are sitting mid-table at the moment in the, the Premiership in Scotland. Um, I think Leverkusen should be confident about. I think they should be challenging this year for the competition. German German teams have such a poor record in the Europa League. I don't. I may be wrong in this, but I don't think a German side won that competition. Won. I think it was back the UEFA Cup. Schalke ninety seven. I think that was the last uh, German team to win the trophy. So it's long overdue. The amount of success that. Spanish and English teams have had recently. I think it's time for a German team to finally step up and win it. But should if they are looking to progress far, they should be winning games like this. Celtic's record in Europe over that last couple of years has been pretty poor. Um, and you saw when Leverkusen played Rangers two seasons ago, they beat them pretty comfortably in the knockout stages. So you'd imagine it should be winnable game for them I don't know I, I mean I'm not sure why they would be a because like with the Rangers game I'm not sure why they would be a, an unknown quantity in Scotland I think maybe maybe when they played Rangers because they had players like Havertz who was already pretty big name by that point and like Bailey and maybe the perception is Leverkusen are slightly weaker with the, the loss of the likes of Havertz since then but Havertz is definitely a player that could reached heights like that and someone to be feared for Celtic fans, I would say. But this could all sound stupid because people will listen to this when Celtic have won one now or something. But another another side another side playing in Europe this week are Union Berlin, who won 1-0 against Armenia Bielefeld. To be honest, on paper this game looks pretty poor, but um, a winner two game two minutes from time from Kevin Behrens has proven to be a pretty astute signing from Zantausen. I mean he was playing non-league football until very recently uh, but a concern for Bielefeld is they continue to fail to score goals which is something they struggled with a bit last season but I think even more so this year they've had draw, a few draws Still to win a game so far, um, and when this when that turns into defeats, that's a bit of a concern for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, three three goals in six games for Bielefeld isn't exactly promising. Um, I mean, what they did especially well last year was, like I said, not really scoring many goals, but I mean, largely thanks to to Stefan Ortega, but defending in a 
right to the end and, and really really um, grinding games out. But I mean, I said before this game that there's always one game in the Bundesliga which is just a dead cert to be nil nil, um, and I would have I would put my house on this game being nil nil. Um, which is a good thing I didn't, or a good thing I didn't for Roy, given the fact I'm currently living in, in his house. But um, no, it, um, I mean, what, Union actually started this game with Awani, Cruiser, and Vogelsammer all on the pitch. So it actually kind of looked like they had set up a bit more in a 3 4 3 and were looking to um, attack the game and really take it to Bielefeld, but didn't really turn out that well. Um, Cruiser cut quite. Um, a frustrated figure for much of the game. Um, and yeah, they said they brought Behrens on to, to find the winner eventually. I mean, it, I feel like this is a story that hasn't really sort of been brought to light that much. I mean, like I said, he was playing with Zabrucken up until 2017 in the breaking our Liga subvest. Um, and a yeah, fairly consistent scorer for Sandhausen in the second division, but you're still not exactly a star name, but then you know he's like he's scored in the in the Conference League for Union, smashing a winner for them uh, in the Bundesliga, which is no mean feat really. And um, yeah, it's um, twenty games on being at home um, in all competitions for for Union now, and I believe as well as their that was their hundredth point in the Bundesliga um, in sort of two two and a bit seasons. So they sort of seem to go from strength to strength and. I think the main thing from, from this would be looking to to take a, a little bit of momentum um, into the conference league where they, they have been a little bit lacking in their in in their showing so far. So and uh home win home win, home game against Maccabi Haifa. I think they'd be looking at that as a winnable game given the group that they've got against uh, Slavia Prague and Feyenoord. They'd be looking to win that game at home, but as you say, so far, not been too promising from their opening game, but there isn't too much expectation on them this year, I don't think, eh, considering it's the, for mo- most of that squad, it's their first foray into Europe, and not too much is expected of them. But eh, The final final game of that weekend, I mean, you said Bielefeld and Union and Bielefeld looked like a pretty unappealing game to me. Hoffenheim versus Wolfsburg looked pretty unappealing as well, but it actually produced some goals. And we saw again that when Andre Kramerich manages to start, turn it on for Hoffenheim, they are far more likely to get a result. And so it transpired as they inflicted Wolfsburg's first defeat of the season, a 3-1 game. Any takeaways from this or swiftly move on? Well, I feel like it's just a broken record to say that, yeah, I mean, Cramrich um, hadn't had the best start to the season, but it has, and there was, um, you know, all the all the Hoffenheim players interviewed after the game were saying that they knew that he was going to come into form. And I, it worries me, it always has worried me, the way that they do kind of just rely on him and always look to him to come up, to come up with the goods for them. But um, the, the quality uh, in this game um, was very, very poor. Uh, um and, you know, I think it sort of proved that, that we shouldn't have... I, I personally didn't... I felt the the fact that at one point Wolfsburg were top of the league, um, you know, the the hype around them early on in the season uh, was largely unwarranted because um, I feel like they are a, just a consistently decent team, but not, not anything special. And I think that 
yeah, they came up against a Hoffenheim side who managed to had a, a, a you know one of one of the best strikers in the league. Um, I'd also say that in surprising news, um, Chris Richards is probably a standout player, the the centre half on in from Bayern this week. Uh, managed to get himself nominated into the kicker team of the week as well. So maybe for um, you know international for international listeners uh, across across the pond, that might be something of interest because. Um, you know, his in his second season at Hoffenheim, he seems to be very comfortable there. Um, but it'll, and it'll be interesting to see if he next season um, makes the leap to to stay at Bayern and and play there permanently. But this game was very um very much um, impressive from from his point of view. But overall, um, a very a very poor game in in one of the, the few Bundesliga um, El Plasticos, but yeah, you know, between two two sides that um I'm not. Uh, the biggest fans of in terms of the club, but um, you know, this is a, this is a stories, there's a tale as long as, as as old as time, so we don't need to keep going on about that. But in general, a, a, a poor game between two poor clubs. I mean, we I, I, we complain just about every week when we're talking about these plastic <laughs> games, uh, but when you're when we're choosing to talk about the Bundesliga this season, that's just the way it's going to be. I think with the sort of lineup we've got this year. A lot of these El Plastic audios, uh, almost every week actually. But um, we'll probably we'll probably be more. I mean, I'm not sure what the fixture fixture list is next week, but there's probably another one. Uh, but we'll swiftly move on from that game and focus on the top spiel between Gladbach and Dortmund. Dortmund without Erling Holland and Marco Royce, uh, and I think pretty much. What we expected from them without them, slightly toothless, uh, but also compounded by the mode that would sending off, which not sure you had any opinions on it. I don't. I mean, I don't know what he said to Dennis Eidekin, but it seemed to evoke a pretty strong reaction. Um, I know Eidekin explained that it was to do with the dissent, but did you think it was harsh? What no, not really. I mean, I think that if you know that you're on a on a, on a yellow, um, and then you make a challenge that's you know board borderline yellow, the sensible thing to do is to just uh, either carry on playing, pretend there wasn't a foul, or just jog off and um you know carry on and pretend that nothing's really happened. The the stupid thing to do, um, which which Moda Hood um, opted for, is to have a go at the ref and make a massive deal of it. Um, and yeah, likely insult him, and then get yourself sent off. Um, and it's just because I've actually been in terms performance-wise, I've been quite impressed by Moda Hood in the sort of last six to like half half a year, year or so. So to to lose him, sort of anchoring a midfield, I really like um, speeding the game up in midfield as well. He's only really got himself to blame. Um, and I th- the the game itself was very intense, and I feel like. The atmosphere without, um, in the crowd and also just the, the feeling um, between the two teams, which was undoubtedly um, fueled by by the move of um, Marco Rosa from Gladbach to Dortmund. But I feel like um, he was getting a bit too caught up in the moment and the fact that, I mean, there was eight eight yellow cards in this game. And I feel like the the sort of, the, I don't want to say the occasion got to him, but I feel like he he sort of lost his head a little bit there. It's just not not very sensible play from that's not the kind of thing that you expect from a team or a key player in a team that is looking to win the league is to be so so sort of 
a lack of, of judgment in in a situation like that so early on in the game with with, with first with only about thirty minutes gone, um, and yeah, we're talking about Bayern and the likes of Kimmich earlier. I just can't really see a, a pivotal player um, in that Bayern side doing something like that so early on. And I think yeah, mistakes like that might might be what 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 cost Bifa B um, in in the long run when it comes to competing for the title. Yeah, I mean that, that's a great example. Just. They, there you have it, like the two, how the two sides have reacted, albeit Bayern playing against a much weaker side and through it, but reacting with such composure to going 10 men down. But Dortmund really, the the Hoods let them down um, for doing that at such an early stage in the game where they've just set them, uh, set them up for defeat early on in the game. Um, but you just don't you don't give you don't give the referee decision to make in that instance. You can talk about it whether it was harsh or not. But yeah, as you said, Dahoud knows he's on a booking, so you wouldn't react like that. And it was a tense game right from the start. You saw like clash between Bellingham and Jonas Hoffman quite early on, different fouls flying in, and there was that added element of Marco Rosa moving across to Dortmund and added a certain amount of tension to the encounter. So I think you'd have to have to look at Dahoud himself before you blame the referee, I think. But all in all, I'd, I think it was a pretty disappointing performance from him anyway. Um, against Gladbach, who had made quite a, a pretty poor start to the season, but this definitely improves him, moves him slightly up the table with a, a win against Dortmund. Uh, but moving on to Sunday, so that I mean the first game on Sunday was Bochum against Stuttgart, which is a goalless draw. Don't know if you'd don't know if you tipped that one beforehand. I mean, two pretty on the basis of what we've seen so far this season, reasonably mediocre teams that will probably be towards the bottom of the table, which when you look at Stuttgart is quite disappointing, I would say, considering what we expected from them this season. Yeah, um, I, 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 at least personally, expected um, Stuttgart to have performed much, much better than they, than they have done. But like we have also sort of touched upon on the pod so far this season, they have not had the best luck in terms of um, injuries, injuries in preseason to to new players. Um, Kalizic being being out long term, um, Silas being banned and injured long term, um, but. Yeah, I mean, in spite of that, should be beating Bochum, really. Um, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, it's just like there is always one terrible game um, and one, um, one, yeah, game with uh, not a lot of shots on target, not a lot of chances, um, not a lot to really talk about. Um, and, yeah, I feel like as might be the case quite a lot this season, Bochum um, were the ones to deliver that with... Um, you know, frustrating Stuttgart. Um, you know, Mavropanos had that goal disallowed, but um, you know, a, a point a point for Borkham is not is not bad. There's points on the board, but um, yeah, I don't I don't think we'll be calling this one a, a classic by by any means. No, definitely not. I mean, Borkham, I think they were stronger in the first half. Both based that got improved in the second did get that disallowed goal, which I thought was quite unlucky. But over the over the piece of the game, I don't think any either side particularly deserved to win. 
as we've spoken, we're struggling a wee bit with uh, Simon Soller is out with a long-term injury now. So they're relying on Sebastian Poulter up front. Uh, but I on the basis of what I've seen, they are really poor defensively and they could struggle for goals. So not too promising so far for Bochum, but a more entertaining encounter, I would say, although it was a really comfortable for them, was uh, Freiburg bidding farewell to the Dreisam Stadion with a 3-0 win over Augsburg. Emotional scenes, uh, Christian Streich in tears after the final whistle and leading chants with the, the megaphone in front of the home end. So was, what do you think? Uh, are, are you, will you be sad about them moving on? I know it wasn't, a, it wasn't a ground you've ever been to, is it? No, it's not, but it's, it was always, you know, a lot of people have said, um, you know, since, since the game, that it was one stadium that they really wanted to go to. And I was trying to actually find out if Freiburg's Fire was still going to play there for the rest of the season, but... Um, um, I couldn't really find an answer to that. Um, I think I was, yeah, and I, I think most likely, I believe they are. Um, I couldn't find anything online that said that they weren't. So, if you if you hadn't been there, like I have not, and you wanted to go there, I believe you can still watch the second team play there until the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one of those games that the game wasn't really that important. Um, three goals pretty early on. Um, Lucas Hoefler, uh, the man of the match, really, um, and Grifo scoring um, the kind of, you know, is it a sour note that they finished on 999 goals and didn't quite crack a 1,000? See, I was, um, thinking, I was thinking that, but, I mean, the 999 goals counts opposition goals as well, so does that, I mean, imagine um, it could just as easily be, I don't know, Ruben Vargas going the thousands goal would that yeah, have made it any better? That's true. Well, I, I thought it would have been quite good to see. Uh, actually, it would have been good to see Niels Peterson manage to come on as a sub and get the thousands goal. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it does. It does count um, opposition goals. But I actually have hit. Do you, do you? There's two teams that have scored the most. The two away teams that have scored the the most goals um, at the Trazam Stadium. Do you want to have a guess who the they Bundesliga. are? In the Bundesliga, yeah. Uh, no, just in general. Oh, just in general. Um, oh. So two away teams, so obviously yeah. not Freiburg. <laughs> 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 uh, Bayern? No. No. Stuttgart? No. Hamburg? No. Werder Yes, that's one of them. And... Dortmund. That is the second one, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll count that as a, a win <laughs> after. How many? Well, the, what about the, the sweets and the jar question? How many goals do you reckon they've both scored each at the Dragon Shadow? Um, I'd, say, uh, I'd say Dortmund have scored. Well, they scored the same amount. They both scored the same amount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 52? No. 43. Probably not close, is it? We go like this oh. three, yeah, 43. Um, 43. But, I mean, this, uh, going back to the actual, st- the actual stadium, it is, it, it, I mean, just the, like, aesthetically, you know, of the, of the Schwarzwald in, in, in the background um, and just a, a, a prop, I mean, just a, just a really beautiful stadium that's been host to a number of, um, you know, very classic Bundesliga moments. 
And they, they got that first promotion to the Bundesliga there in 1993. And I think they beat Bayern in their first ever season at home um, the, the following season. Obviously, yeah, Volker Vinker's um, beach chair there that was there for 16 years had the time when um, a golf ball was thrown at Oliver Kahn. And then they, and they put up that banner saying, sorry, Ollie. Um, and, and it's just like funny. And, you know, there's quite a few, I think there's quite a few European games played there. I think eight European games in total played at the Dryasm Stadion. Uh, and opinion seems to be a bit um, mixed on the new stadium. Certainly looks a bit odd to me. At least the, the, the outside looks a bit strange. Um but I think it's probably what Freiburg needs at this time in their history. But uh, so it's 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 um it's, it's sad to see it go for sure. And I think yeah, the the scenes of the whole team just sitting on the pitch and Christian Strike especially, who is so sort of integral to um the in, to Freiburg the club and also to the city in in the way that he's is very vocal about is sort of. Um, you know how he feels about certain social issues, and 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 he tries to sort of encourage that in his players as well. So I think you know seeing him go go into the the crowd and and talk to the crowd, and yes, like you said, re- reduce the tears was certainly um was was certainly much more important and much more memorable than than the game itself, and um a, a real um not not nice nice scene to see. Yeah, I think. I think my favourite moment from the stadium was uh, when Christian Streich was knocked to the ground by David Abraham. (laughs) 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 Probably, I mean, it's probably my favourite moment in any Bundesliga ground, to be honest. But uh, it's a shame. It's like, it's just an inevitable reality that they would have to move on. Um, But... Yeah, when you saw that they had to get special dispensation every season to actually play there because the pitch was too short, some a massive slope. Um, the away end never looked particularly good. It was all crammed in that far corner. I think it was quite a poor view. So that it definitely had its downsides. I think particularly when you saw it in the Ghost Games last season, which was completely empty, it showed its age a wee bit. Yeah. Uh, but... So it's probably inevitable that this can come and need to move to the new stadium. But I think certainly something has been lost because Freiburg are among Bundesliga fans one of the most likable clubs. I'm not sure if an, an aspect of that is definitely strike himself. Also the fact that they've got no real strong rivals, I suppose, in the league. So I think a lot of fans have a bit of a soft spot for them and... There's no, they're away stuck in that corner of Germany in a pretty nice small city. Um, quite quite inoffensive to be honest, but always quite popular with neutrals. Um, but they've always been known for their stability. And two two of the two of the inevitable realities is that they have to move on to a new stadium and Schreich will eventually leave. And now one of these is happening, so it'll be interesting to see how the club react. Because they've always been known for their stability, but uh, that will change shortly. Yeah, I think they've definitely got themselves under control from a, a playing perspective. They're playing really well. They made a great start to the season. This was a really comfortable win, but partly due to the opposition being so poor, Augsburg. But I think it's a, it was a perfect 
perfect finale for the stadium. And it will be missed by a lot of Bundesliga fans for those that have managed to manage to experience it in person, but also those who have missed out. But don't forget, you'll still be able to go and see the second team there, currently in Drithliga. And also, I think the, the women's team in Frauen Bundesliga, they play there as well. So that that's another option for like, visiting the Dreisand Stadion. But we'll, we'll see them home to Leipzig at the new Europa Park Stadion, I believe it's called, in October. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But it probably won't be the same. That's a, an emotional emotional note to end the Bundesliga review on. Uh, so I think I think with that we'll move on to the the harsh. I think we'll move on to the the uh, Dritte Liga. The back to the real stuff. Uh, and that's the reality. <laughs> we've got George on, so he'll be able to fill us in a couple of couple of big games. Uh, Halla versus Magdeburg particularly stood up, stood out for you. Uh, anything else? No. Well, talk, I'm saying that as if you can't talk about that. Um, Halla. Halab in Magdeburg. And yeah, I mean, talk about, we, about that and anything else that caught your eye. Okay, yeah, we, we may as well address the elephant in the room that um, 1860, um, unfortunately, still didn't pick up three points, drawing one all away and fell. Um, still, yeah, only only two wins from the opening ten games. Um, Sasha Melder starting on the bench. Um, really not where we expected to be at this point in the season. It's got to the point where the president has had to come out in defence of both uh, Michael Kölner, the manager, and, and Sasha Mulders, um to say that he's there's, there's no chance that they would re-evaluate the situation with, with less than a quarter of the, the season played. Um, I mean, but it was, also, it was always a dangerous game to be relying on a 36-year-old in Mulders to, to sort of be so pivotal as he was as he was last year and perform on such a consistent basis as he has done for the past few years. Um, I mean, in terms of the what the the article written in the Michigan Mercure, he's said that um, he's still convinced that the the, the aims of the team um, will be fulfilled by the end or can very well be fulfilled by the end of the season, which is to finish in the top three um, in the league. Um, and to be honest, I don't entirely disagree when you look at the league right now and the teams at the top and the fact that Magdeburg have lost two games in a row now and still are top of the league. And behind them, you've got Victoria Berlin, who lost to the worst team in the league um, this week, and Bristol Dortmund's fire. And then, you know, the likes of Osnabrück, Wiesbaden behind them. But it's not it's, it's it's not all is not lost but it's it's certainly a sort of sour time around the club at the moment um and you know we've got um a game with against victoria which would be a good challenge and then i believe Mannheim after that so you know two two two, two wins and those and i think uh, sort of the the poor start might be forgotten but it's just not what really where we expected to be um and i think yeah, like I said, the reliance on Milders, both both mentally and in terms of performances, is probably the, so that that gamble was probably proved to, to not pay off. I mean, he came on with ten minutes to go, and he sort of felt like he was having to try a bit too hard. The, the weight of the team on his shoulders. I'm I'm not gonna sort of compare it to Ronaldo at United, but that sense that like every if everything has to go through him, 
that you know that's maybe counterproductive but of course Mulders is a lot better than Ronaldo so that's a pointless pointless um comparison anyway but um in terms of a more a less emotive um roundup yeah like you said the the Saxon and Hal derby between Haller and Magdeburg was won for the third time in a row now by Haller the home side um a game which was very very um passionately um supported by the home fans at least um a fairly tragic incident a few years ago means that Magdeburg rarely take away fans away to to Halle now um but no very um very exciting game um Terence Boyd coming up with the the third goal um proved my he remains the the, the bald-headed assassin of the Dritteliga and yeah, I mean, it is a bit worrying for Magdeburg. Two two losses in two um, against two not especially great teams, but like I said, they, they do remain top of the league. Actually, com- sitting two points comfortable there because the team is second. Victoria lost in what for me was the most exciting game of the of the weekend to to last place tears for Harvester. Who got their second win in a row actually in their first um away victory of the season um thanks to some inspired goalkeeping um from the harvard's a goalkeeper uh whose name is uh, presently uh escaped me but um no are they they, they came from yeah that's it that's, that's it exactly yeah that's it uh they came from two one down to to win the game uh, in, in the 80th minute and just absolute scenes, uh, the Friedrich Luffy Young Sport Park, where I will actually be going uh, in two weekends' time. So I'll be sure to leave a full report on that. But um, elsewhere, not a lot to say. I mean, yeah, not a lot to say really. I feel like my 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 passion for the Dritter League is going down with every week that Zexig failed to pick up three points, but. I feel like yeah, the Zach Nanhard derby and the the game in in Berlin was probably the highlights. Um, Victoria Berlin, Victoria Köln got um, beat the Zebras four two, which is was quite out of character. They've almost doubled the amount of goals they scored all season in one game there. But um, overall, uh, the the Dritter League is looking as open as ever, with every team sort of continuing to stumble. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out by the end of the season. Um, and if 8 and 60 don't get promoted, then I shall never talk about the Drisliga ever again. <laughs> so I can I can hear it. I can hear the despondency in your voice. It's just <laughs> each yeah, each weekly Drisliga update has become more depressing by the week. <laughs> 1860, 1860 filter one. Um, <laughs> maybe uh, I think each update is getting shorter as well. Next week will just be a, a bit of a minute, but. Wow, that's, that's eventually. Good. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, eighteen sixty one again, again and, uh, with Zasha Mulders. Zasha Mulders actually on the pitch. Thought that was a definitely a brave decision to drop him, um, and it didn't really pay off. This <laughs> led to another draw. But I would say, I would say the Fell's Fell's goal was one of the best. Yeah. Goals I've seen all season, so I mean, it was it was a tram um, tour. Yeah, it was an absolute tram tour. So sometimes, sometimes you just don't get the rub of the green. When you've got teams equalising with goal like that, you just know that the things aren't going your way. So I actually got a question uh, 
why do why do Ferro? I know that right Ferro play in Lotta because the ground doesn't meet the requirements. But why in certain games are Ferro able to play at their home stadium? I've seen them play at their own ground in certain games. Um, that uh, that's a question that I've wondered as well because they also played at Paderborn as well sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. um, last season, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I have that's a, that's a cracking question. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll come back the next week with an answer, <laughs> with an answer to that question. Um, I just I don't understand because yeah, I know I know that the ground maybe doesn't meet their the standards. I have read what the standards are. It's stuff like I don't know. It's like media accessibility and stuff like that. And yeah. it might have, it might have to do with how much how many away fans plan on coming. That would be my guess. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Because yeah, 1860 the, the following was I actually could have gone to that um game, but um unfortunately I, I had to work. But um it, yeah, so they that would be my guess. But like I said, I'll come back next week with a with a concrete yeah. answer for you. That will be the that'll probably be the highlight of the Bristol League update next week. <laughs> 1860 probably won't 1860 probably won't win again. Yeah, I, I just I just wondered that because they they were playing they played certain most of the games they were in Paderborn last season, but then they played the odd game at home, and then this season they're in Lotter. But uh, I can't actually remember if I've seen them play in Fell this season. But and then you've got Turgutu, who sometimes play the Grimbalda, then play the occasional game at the Olympia Stadium. I'm guessing that's because the Grimbalda might be induced that day by 1860 or Bayern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the, the 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 issue with eight of um Togichi getting promoted last season is that there technically were three teams based there at the same time. Um so yeah. So uh, what um any games you're going to this weekend that we could chat about? Yes, yes. Well, um there there was a um nationwide issue with uh ticket ticket websites. Um today in Germany um so there's been an issue there but with ho- hopefully some luck that the the, the the ticket gods um come back into full force tomorrow we should be going uh, Robert Roy and I on Saturday should be making the trip to we should be in the trip north to Kiel to see the Aussie derby against for between Holstein Kiel and Hansa Rostock and there is and if that doesn't work then we will be going to Wolfsburg against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And then on the Sunday, there is um, a chance that we might be going to St. Pauli against Dynamo Dresden. So another another weekend um, of German football planned for me uh, and Robert and Roy, but not you, because I believe you are otherwise occupied. <laughs> yep, I'm heading up to Mary Hill. <laughs> On Saturday, we'll be seeing a United face Partick Thistle at Far Hill. So I know where I'd rather be, Holstein Stadion or Far Hill. I, I, would, I would rather be in the West End of Glasgow seeing a United pump Partick Thistle. So. <laughs> what, what, what game is it you're going to at the Friedrich Ludwig Jan Sport Park? Is it Osnabrück? Yeah, so that weekend I'm going to... Victoria Bellion against Osnabrück on the Friday, and then Borussia Dortmund against Mainz on the Saturday. Thanks, thanks yeah, to, my, um, thanks, to that. thanks to Anton from uh, 
the Glasgow Borussia Dortmund fan club who's kindly been able to sort the sources for for me. Ah yes, yeah, big big support of the podcast. Yeah, Anton yeah, yeah. from Glasgow Borussia. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. One of my one of my pals is going to the Victoria Berlin and Osnabrück game. That's. It's a coincidence. That, that, that's why that's why I knew when you said you're going to the stadium in two weeks it was against us. I don't just know Victoria <laughs> Berlin's fixtures. I was, I, I, you shouldn't have said that. I was quite impressed. Although I would say, and I know we're not the biggest fans of Victoria on this pod, but the cheapest ticket at Victoria is 17 euros, which I think is quite steep. Yeah. And, I suppose because there's no standing room. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the 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 middle ones are the, the the price above, which is most of the tickets, is twenty one euros, which I think is it's quite poor, really. But um, gonna, gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say an unpopular opinion, and I actually really don't like the look of that ground. Yeah. I, the floodlights never. I, I, I think it's just the seats. The seats make me sick. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. The, the multicolored seats is leaves a lot to be desired. But they've got they've recently installed new floodlights, which do look quite cool. The floodlights are good. I've, I've been I've been outside it. I've been in like the sort of pitches near it, but I've never actually been inside. But it doesn't look particularly good when I mean, I pretty much any team that play there as well are, are a team that don't have many fans, so it's like three quarters empty as well, which doesn't make it look great either and it's got the track around it but I'm sure, I'm sure you'll have a good time I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we could I'm sure it'll be worth the 17 plus euros that you'll spend on it uh, Osnabrück might Osnabrück should be a good uh, a good site to see like good hopefully a good away following yeah I've got seats right next to the uh, the away end so I'll be be um, giving it large for sure good stuff great stuff so I think we'll just wrap that up there uh, Another review of the top three leagues, uh, some Bundesliga action, Zweiteliga in person that we that, uh, some of us saw, not me, but some of us, and then a very despondent Dritteliga review from George as 1860 continue their slide down the table, but hopefully we'll have a slightly more upbeat, upbeat version of the Dritteliga next week and some other action. So thanks for listening this week and we'll see you again soon. Hey,